Welcome to another episode of the Valley Film Festival at Cinegear Expo. Hi. I'm very happy for this session because it is with our illustrious and glorious leader, Tracy Adlai. Say hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. How did I know that was coming? <laughs> All right. So this is, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and spoil everything that this is the second time we've tried recording yes. this. Uh, the first time was a great conversation, and the camera stopped recording. So um, we may release the original as a special bonus uh, audio-only version of uh, on on Apple. But uh, we wanted to redo this again on video for the YouTube audience. Um, and really, we need to start this with the same joke that I used the first time. And I want I want you to finally tell us where is the festival gold. Where have you hidden it? Well, last time I told you it was under Campo de Coinga or maybe Universal Studios, but I'm going to say that maybe a little bit of it is under the old Bush Gardens in Van Nuys, um, which is no longer here, so you're going to have to figure out where it was originally and then start digging. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I mean, first of all, here at at Cinegear, um, what I mean, we we just have a booth. We're just really like telling people what we're about. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, I mean, this is a outreach. This is a connect. You know, meeting with new filmmakers, making sure they know what we're doing here. Right. It's just all about being out in the community, and um, while everyone else is selling, we're just giving away and just having a presence here. And um, just having some fun. It's always, a, you know, it's it's always in June, and um, I look at it as our kickoff to summer. Um, so I just, I love, I love our spin to win. We've dusted it off. It's been. In oh, a it, it's it's seen better days though. It's missing a pin, <laughs> and it, it, was, it kept landing on uh, the same spot yesterday. Yeah, I figured that out. It wasn't tight in the back. So I tightened it and it and it works now. But yeah, we are missing a peg, so I have to figure out what happened to that peg. Um, I have no clue. It's either in the storage unit where I, you know, got this from, or it's in my house somewhere, or in the car. So we'll figure it out. But yeah, it has seen better years, um, and it's been in storage for two years. So it it is enjoying its uh, use here. How many years have uh, you been coming here to Cinegear? Since 2008. Um, yeah, we, I want to say it was the Able Cinetech people. Um, I, so, okay, so here's how it went. <laughs> this is a long story. This is how it's connected. Uh, so Creative Handbook, which has been a partner of ours. Yep. Creative Handbook, which for, has been for a those that are just listening, I took a Creative Handbook from this year and plopped it on the table. Yeah, uh, they've been a partner of ours since the very beginning, since year one, and I think maybe around year six or seven, uh, Alex Marino, who is no longer with Creative Handbook, he's gone off to do. Uh, he's a set location manager now. Um, but he comes back and he works with them, you know, occasionally. Anyway, it was around that time that he introduced me to the fine people over at Able Cinetech because they were looking to partner with a festival. I asked for too much money, so they said no. 
I really needed cash at that time because we were still, you know, getting our, our, our feet in the ground and we needed, you know, er, the, the theaters, believe it or not, were a lot more expensive 10, then, 50, than they are now. Yes. Interesting. Yes, twice as much. It wow. costs twice as much to rent the theater. Well, that was probably because back then it was still a lot of film and, and whatnot, not uh, the DCPs that actually streamline and make yeah. it more affordable. So, well, it was not just that. It was the, um, we, you know, the re- the venue rental, because we were at the El Portal. So the El Portal was about twice as much as what we paid Lemley. Um, and on top of that, we had to bring in a screen and playback equipment and a projector and blah, 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 everything. So it was a lot more money to put a festival on back then. So I asked for a lot of money. (laughs) And Abelson, he said, no. But through this kind gentleman at Abelson, whose name I have forgotten, I feel very badly about that. Um, He was like, you need to go to you need to have a presence at Cine Year. And so he introduced me to Julianne. And Julianne has been so kind to us since 2008. She's always given us a pro bono table since we were a nonprofit. And in exchange, we promote their expo and now their film series. Um, and we finally got to a point where we could buy a booth ourselves. So I, you know, I wanted to... Now that we can afford it, I wanted to give back to them. Um, but yeah, it was through Creative Handbook that put us in touch with Abel Cine and Abel Cine who put us in touch with Cine Gear that we started coming to Cine Gear. And that was in 2008. And our first Cine Gear was on the Wadsworth grounds, so in West LA. Um, our second year was up at Universal Studios, which is right around the corner from me and right, down, right up the street from the Valley Film Festival. And um, after that, they went over to Paramount, and it's been great. But when we were at Paramount, because I know you're going to ask this question next, (laughs) uh, I ran into a gentleman named Jack Murphy. Actually, I think not at Paramount. When we were at Universal, uh, I ran into a gentleman named Jack F. Murphy, who was a producer and distributor. And he became my mentor, and it was a really great, I really loved his guidance. And um, he was really the guy that was like, you need, you need to go to Cannes, you need an international presence, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. Um, and he passed away a couple years ago, so we created an award on his behalf called the Jack F. Murphy Award for Independent Cinema Excellence, something like that. I don't remember the exact title, Uh, but it's really only for filmmakers who have been in the Valley Film Festival or who have a significant amount of work tied to the Valley. And um, our first recipient was John Putch, who's been in the festival a number of times. And that's because Jack was a huge fan of all of John Putch's work. Um, Rightly so. I mean, John's got great things. He's been in our festival like six or seven times. Yeah, he was first with us for The Bachelor Man, and then with Mojave Phone Booth, and then his Route 30 trilogy. When we used to do our monthly screening series over at the Two Roads Theater on Tahunga, um, 
It was, uh, we did his documentary uh, film. Oh my gosh, I'm messing up the title. It's about his dad. It's so, it's wonderful. I'm actually going to look it up here so that oh, we... Oh, okay. We, uh, I, I want to say it's in the name of my father or something about my father. I will let you look so that I don't butcher this title up any further. Let's see. Okay, John Butch. And he has been, well, first of all, he has been in our festival six times. Okay. With Bachelor Man, Mojave Phone Booth. Route 30, Route 32, Route 33, and The Father and the Bear. There's another one, though. He made a documentary. And uh, somehow I don't have that in my database. Uh, yeah, there's another one, a documentary about his dad. <laughs> Let me see, and I will, um, I will tell you which one it was. Oh, I, I, it'll take a little longer to pull that up. Ah, okay, never mind then. I promise you there's another film. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we gave the first award to John Putch. Um, and then our, we don't give it out every year. And we are very selective as to who gets this. So our second recipient was um, Sally Kirkland. Okay. who has been in a lot of films at the festival as well. So I felt it important to recognize her. She also did some really great art for us for one day. We will uh, we will have our art show that I tried That's to That's right. We were trying to do the thing where we're going to get <laughs> celebrities round table. to... Yeah, uh, it was called the uh, Real, Real Art... Oh my God, I forgot what it was. It was my brilliant fundraising idea. Photochem gave us a bunch of film reels, film cans. I gave, we, they gave us a hundred. I distributed a hundred of those to people. We got back four. <laughs> so, which is why we never had the art show as the fundraiser. But yes, I still have, I still have those four. Um, if I can find, you know, someone to give us some more canisters. I don't even know if they have film cans anymore. That's the thing. Um, right. Because, you know, this was a while ago. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so Sally Kirkland did, a like, a beautiful self-portrait on a film can for us. And I have it. And one day it'll be part of an art show that the Valley Film Festival does. So, but anyway. Uh, so, so let's talk about how long... The, the festival's been around. This is, uh, we're going, we've done 21 festivals so far. We're going into our 22nd. Yes. Um, talk about those early days. What, why did you start the Valley Film Festival? Oh, why? I don't know. Um, because you had a couple of screws loose, I'm presuming, is yes. part of the answer. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, okay. So it goes back. So I'm from the Valley. Uh, I grew up in the Valley. I love the Valley. I'm an OG Valley girl. Um, but I went to college in New York and I lived in New York for a number of years. I lived in New York for 10 years. And while I was in New York, I volunteered. I worked on a film festival called Gen Art. It was a nonprofit org and they did, um, art shows, fashion shows, and a film series. They started out doing art exhibits or art shows. 
And then they did um, their film series and their fashion shows. And their fashion shows and film series just kind of blew up. And, and that's what they became known for, especially their fashion week. Um, so, But I volunteered for them for a number of years. And then I was moving back to L.A. after 9-11 for a number of reasons, not just because of 9-11. But, you know, my parents were older. My dad was a little ill. So not a little ill. My dad was ill. <laughs> <laughs> and not laughing about that. And uh, I needed to come home and just spend time with my family. And when I came home, it was when the Valley was trying to separate from the city of Los Angeles um, or the county of Los Angeles, no, the city, the city of L.A. And there were like all these facts and figures going around. I don't know what was true and what wasn't, but, uh, you know, it just... L.A. was fighting so hard to keep the Valley as part of the city because almost all the production happens in the Valley, especially the After Dark production. And <laughs> that has a lot of tax money that L.A. would have lost. Um, and so, you know, I was just very aware of just how important the Valley was to film production and how everyone just sort of groups it into Hollywood. Um, it just did not get its like moment in the spotlight. And I really wasn't looking to start a festival. I just wanted to, because of my festival experience, work on a festival in the Valley. And at the time, there were only a handful, handful of film festivals in LA. And I was really just trying to find one in the Valley and there wasn't one. So I was like, let's just start one. How hard can it be? <laughs> and... So, and how hard was it? Well, it was a little harder than I thought, but not quite hard. So the first year when I started it, I was still back and forth between New York and L.A. And in my head, it had to be a nonprofit because that's what Gen Art was. And that's all I knew. Uh, so I, when I was in New York, I was doing the groundwork. So in 2000, I was doing the groundwork for the festival. And I had, um, through Lawyers for the Arts, I found this great lawyer who was walking me through the nonprofit status steps. And he said, you know, it could take a year or two to get your nonprofit status. So in the meantime, why don't you find a fiscal sponsor? Um, and he recommended community partners. And for those who don't know what a fiscal sponsor is, community part or you know, or community partners, they're sort of an incubator for ideas and for um, nonprofits. So they bring you into their world um, and they take a percentage of the monies that you bring in, but in exchange, they do your taxes. They <laughs> they have and clearly <laughs> it's been a beneficial relationship because uh, yeah. we're still a project of community yes. partners. So I remember them telling me that when I was interviewing with them, I remember them saying that most projects stay with them for eight years, and you know, and then they want to go off on their own and blah blah blah. Which is why I think in my head I had oh by eight years we're by year eight we're going to be like we're going to be at this sort of level, and um, but. You know, we only, it wasn't a year-round event. It, you know, it was a once-a-year thing. And I kind of liked someone else doing the taxes and, you know, doing everything for me because it allowed me, it freed me up to do what I like to do with the festival, which is the programming and um, watching these films and meeting the filmmakers. If I also had to do taxes and find insurance and all that other stuff, I would probably have quit this a long, long time ago. What kind of uh, other 
projects does Community Partners work on? So one of their biggest projects, which a lot of people will know, is called Right Girl. Uh, right Girl is, uh, that's where Amanda Gorman, the uh, poet, came out of. But they go into, um, a, you know, they match up um, younger ladies with professional writers to create poetry or short stories or that sort of thing. So, and I think Right Girl's been with community partners probably as long as we have. So they're, they're, they like the benefits of community partners too. Um, but a lot of the other ones are, you know, that you're, I don't want to say your typical nonprofit, but like those deeper social causes. Okay. And I always, in the early years, I always felt bad going in for training and panels and stuff because we'd have to talk about what our nonprofit was. And everyone else was like, oh, we, you know, help women with breast cancer. We help young kids do A, B, and C. And I'm like, I support filmmakers in the Valley, <laughs> which is equally as important, I understand. But yeah, but you probably don't realize half of them were probably like, gosh, she's so cool. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I just felt bad that we didn't have the social impact that they did. And that's, and, but we have, I feel we have since become that festival where well, even, we do consider that. Even if it's that, just yeah. about putting, you know, out the content and you know first of all we speak to the culture yes as filmmakers yeah. mm -hmm. and our need for entertainment is sometimes what helps keep us sane yeah. i mean we need you know ed, uh entertainment we need you to know? escape sometimes like there, there's sure. it's so easy like it, it, it's unfortunate that everyone likes to consume entertainment and yet people don't respect entertainers you know, as like, oh, well, you're just this. You're not right. as important. I know, right. You yeah. Know, but, I mean, it is just as important to have actors as it is doctors. Because, sure. you know, actors are doctors for the soul it, oh. it, it, in certain aspects. Yeah. I think we need to put that on a T-shirt and sell it. <laughs> actors are doctors for the soul. Actors <laughs> are doctors for the soul. Okay. Our next tagline. Um... Anyway, so we've been a project of community partners for 22 years and counting. I really like them. They're like, like I said, I just have to fill out a form and they get us our insurance, uh, fill out an expense report. They pay the vendor. <laughs> so it's, it's really easy. Really the best of both worlds. And, yes. and the only time that really, you know, we would want to move beyond that is if the Having to go through them started producing like delays that we would really need to go, okay, now we need to handle this on our own. Or right. if there we needed very specific things where we had to be our own nonprofit. Right. But I don't think we will, so we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing I ran into was uh, because some of the tech companies give, you know, discounts or oh, yeah. or free things like uh, you know, one of the I, I won't say who it is, but one of the major like um, cloud-based email providers right like you can get free email if you're a nonprofit because it's usually like five or six bucks a month otherwise right. per person right you know so 20 people you know that's you know a couple hundred dollars there um, and so you can get it for free and I think we ran into a problem is we couldn't do it as a fiscal sponsor because right. they already had their own free email. yes 
Yeah, so that is a thing, and I have mentioned it to them, and I know that they are aware of that issue because uh, we're obviously, you know, they have a hundred projects under them, or more than a hundred projects, so they're well aware of the issues that all of their projects face because which means of it. that they're big enough that they probably could go to the vendor right and make a little bit of noise go hey this is our problem yeah you know you're you're talking a hundred projects times how many people that might need it two to 20 right. or something you know so you're talking about potentially a lot of people that could you know, part of the reason you do it for the nonprofits is, A, I mean, that's a tax write-off for them, I'm presuming, because um, they're giving it in kind. But then right. also, it's just, you know, that that's one of the ways that you generate, you know, goodwill. And when these people go to, to for-profit businesses, they're like, oh, I no, I really want to have, like, this email provider. I want to have this software. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I forgot what your original question was. So. I, I don't remember either. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about, so we've been doing this for tw 22 years, yes. and you you didn't expect to quite be doing this as long no, as now. No, I didn't. So um, I originally thought that I would do it for 10 years. I think that's just the number. I, I don't know why. I just had that number in my head, and I was like, oh, we'll go to 10 years and blah, 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 blah. And 10 years came and went. Um, and I remember after our 10th anniversary, I just, I guess I hadn't told anyone I wasn't not, I wasn't going to move forward <laughs> with a year 11 because you emailed me and you were like, oh, should we be doing A, B, C, and D by now? And I think I was like, oh, really? Okay. So uh, it's your fault that we it, were it at is completely year my 22. Fault. Um, yeah, so we got to year 10. You encouraged me to continue it. And I always commit to five-year increments. So in t after 2010, I was like, okay, we'll get to year 15 and then call it. And I got to year 15. Was, I was tired. <laughs> I was, by that time, uh, by year 15, hundreds of festivals had popped up over LA and all of them used the Lemley NoHo 7. So it was, the space was crowded, you know, the festival space is crowded. And it was getting harder to uh, get the cash sponsors. It was getting harder to um, have premieres uh, because everyone's competing for the same films. and. You know, premieres are necessary because the film festival audience, uh, you know, the the those that go to film festivals that are not filmmakers is, you know, it's a small, it's a niche audience, and they're not just going to my festival; they're going to all festivals, and not my festival, but our festival. And right. <laughs> they're going to all types of festivals all over, and so if they've seen the film somewhere chances are they're not going to come to our festival to see it, which yeah. is why the premieres are necessary in some cases. Um, we'll get into premiere status in total another, you know, podcast because that is, um, you know, well, it, it's definitely it's something that. that we ask. And it's also, you know, I think it's in our filmmaker agreement that if they get accepted, they're not going to take another la festival except another la festival that happens between their acceptance right. and our yeah and our festival right. that's kind of you know having it a little early you know because we range from august to like november 
Right. And, you know, November's the latest we do it, and we like to try and do it in August. And so when it's in August, it's easier. Right. You know, for sure. But if it's later in the year, it's a little harder because more festivals are coming up. But, yeah, it's absolutely. Once we select you and you accept, you can't then suddenly go and go to the festival down the road and... And that's your L.A. premiere because or, then you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to be able to bring anyone. You're going to promote it. And everyone's like, but I already saw your film. Right. Well, not just their audience, but our audience. If our audience saw it elsewhere, True. our audience isn't going to come to to us either. Um, yes, we got through year 15 and I was ready to call it quits <laughs> again. And I went over to um, Decor Art Gallery, one of our sponsors in Studio City, to bring them a thank you gift. And Lynn, who hosts our Meet the Filmmakers party every year, asked me uh, when what dates I wanted for the next year so she could pencil them in. And I was like, oh, Lynn, I'm tired. <laughs> I think this is it. And she was like, no, don't be silly. You have to get to year 20. And then it's so easy after that. And I was like, uh, oh, and then I think someone else had sent us a, a nice donation, uh, mm. too. And I was like, all right, well, someone gave us a generous donation, and Lynn is telling me to keep doing it. So guess we'll keep doing it. So uh, I committed to year 20, and then we got to year 19, which is 2019, and I finally figured out the special sauce for the festival. It yeah. was amazing. It was everything I had wanted and more. Probably um, our best year. Definitely our best year. A combination year. of having a, a daily festival uh, filmmaker lounge, having you know, the educational panels, having a distribution event yes. panel, and, and you know, mixer, mm -hmm. a, a little uh, speed dating. Yes. You know, and then just, you know, music events, everything just... It just, it was perfect. It was and so perfect. I finally figured out the special sauce and knew that in 2020 we could finally realize our dream of having August 1st through 8th dates and um, hosting it back at the Alley and Lemley and doing just du duplicating what we did in 2019. And then it all started in January when the Alley Studios shut its doors and it went downhill from there. Oh, what happened after that? <laughs> What, what could have possibly <laughs> happened in 2020 that would have been worse than... Yeah, so the Alley Studios closed their doors. Um, so I was looking for another venue before the pandemic hit already. And then the pandemic hit and um, we were supposed to be in August. We had all of our films selected by May or June, I think. And then we, you know just kept talking to the filmmakers to see what the options were because we weren't sure if theaters were going to reopen in August. And then I think in June, um, we had to move the dates back to November. I think Greg was like, well, let's move them back to November because it's a safer, safer time. You know, it's six months down the road. We will most likely be open. Like, I don't think anyone thought we'd be shut down for a year and a half. Um, so we moved our dates to November and I was, I knew Greg had a weekly meeting or, um, a, you know, a meeting every other week with National Association of Theater Owners. So, and I knew what day, so I would like email him after his meeting and just say, any updates, any updates, any updates. I know he's probably sick of me. He was probably sick of me, but I just, I wanted to be on top of everything so that I knew if I had to 
pivot, I hate that word now, but if I had to pivot, if we had to pivot, I wanted to know, I wanted to do it as quickly as possible. And I know I discussed, I think back in April of 2020, I said, we are not going online because everyone else had gone online. And I had done a lot of the online festivals. I went to all the online festival demos of, of you know, other organizations, and I just wasn't happy with anything I saw. And it wasn't just the, you know, the lack of the in-person stuff. I just, the technology at the beginning, you know, of 2020 wasn't as sophisticated as it might be now. Right. And I just wouldn't feel comfortable putting our 20th year, uh, which, you know, should have been a huge celebration. <laughs> we were planning on it being a huge yes. celebration. And, yeah. And we were fighting really hard to make sure that we even had a physical screening at all. I just remember I never worked so hard on the festival. Even the first or second year, I don't think I worked as hard as I did on the 20th year. And I just, I remember talking to Van Nuys Airport about getting a, 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 a hangar and doing, um, you know, a screening there, but it was still enclosed, so we couldn't do, we couldn't do it that way. Um, we talked to filmmakers about renting out a hotel and using the pool area to do the screenings and then them renting hotel rooms with the balconies. They didn't want any of that. And Yeah, that, <laughs> they, they kind of rejected that one outright. Yeah, we, we polled everyone and, and asked them, like, what do you think of this? Which is your, your most favorite? Which is right. your least favorite? Which do you just absolutely know I won't be part of the festival? And and that actually developed a lot of goodwill for us yes, with the filmmakers. Yeah. They really respected that we were respecting them and wanting to make them part of the process right. while still committing to, if we could, having a physical festival. Yeah, and then... I think we were at the 11th hour and uh, it was it was the end of September, early October. And um, I had to make a decision. Are we going to like, what are we going to do for November? And I just remember calling our friends over at Simple DCP just to see what online um, platforms they had experience with and what they recommended. And I think I talked to Garrett for an hour and a half, two hours. He went through like 10 different companies. And then at the very, very end, I don't know why he didn't start off with this. <laughs> at the very, very end, he was like, oh, you might want to call the Regency in Van Nuys because they just converted the Plant 16 to a drive-in. And I was like, I'm on it. So I uh, emailed, I filled out their little form online. Um, and their general manager, Andrew, called me right away. And they were, I felt really good. You know, I felt bad not screening at Lemley because Lemley's a, a family owned and operated um, theater chain. They, are, you know, right. they founded Universal Studios. They are the grandfathers of the art house cinema. So I just, I wanted to support the family owned and operated business. Right. Um, so I, I, I felt bad when we had to go somewhere else, but then as you know, the universe is funny. Uh, the Regency is a family owned and operated business. So I felt so comfortable <laughs> working with them. It's owned by two brothers. I did not uh, know that. Yeah. So you learned something new. So the Regency theater chain is owned by two brothers and um, it's family owned and operated. And that made me feel a lot better, uh, you know, supporting, supporting them. 
And uh, yeah, so Andrew was just like, oh, we literally just set up our drive-in this last weekend. We don't have anything programmed after October. And I was like, great. Book us for the weekends in November. <laughs> and, and that's what we All did. All your weekends, we'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the weekends. Because I was just like, I, I didn't even know they would do that for us. I thought, okay, you know, film festival, we're going to put you during the week, you know. But I think they were just so new at the whole driving concept that they didn't know better to, like, say no to me. <laughs> so, yeah, because I was sitting there going... I can't have some screenings on because at a drive-in, first of all, I'll talk about programming for drive-ins later, but at a drive-in, you're very limited to how many screenings you can do a night, especially during a pandemic when there's a curfew at 10 o'clock. Right. So we could only screen between, you know, sunset and, um, and 10. And that's really only two programs. Um, that's only two programs. And because we had programmed for a run at the theater with X amount of films and starting from noon until midnight. We, I think we had a couple of features we had to push off to the next year. Well, we had some international features that... They didn't want to screen without right. being here personally. Yeah. Which, which, and then we screened them the next year. Right, yeah. So the international features that we had programmed, they wanted to be present for it. Um Unfortunately, the pandemic was still going on in 2021, so they weren't present, but we kept our promise and we did screen them, um, which makes me feel good too, that we were able to fulfill that. And one of, and like, and they won. <laughs> they won awards. Um, yeah, so. It's always great. <laughs> so we screened at the Regency. They were fabulous. We did a, a special screening um, after that. So our festival was in November. I think we did another screening in January or February. I just love drive-ins. Um, but I programmed that. I programmed the January screening for the drive-in. It's very, it's, it's very different audiences um, for, between the drive-in and the Lemley. <laughs> very different audiences. Yeah. And um, yeah, so for those who are programming a theater and a drive-in, I think you know what we're well, talking about. Well, we even about. had a little bit of a, a glitch because if you only wanted to go to the second screening, you had to go to the first one. Right. You know, and so we had to kind of work with them like, okay, how can we right. do this where people are only coming to one? And, you know, what about people who are showing up late because of work? And yeah, we got, we got it worked out, but, you know, we had to kind of like, you know, twist a couple of arms. Yeah, it was uh, a festival concept was new to a theater chain who's only used to doing, um, you know, big movies inside well, and theater. also a theater chain that wasn't quite used to doing it in the parking lot as a drive-in. <laughs> that too. That too. But it worked out. Like, Andrew was just amazingly easy to work with. Um, that whole staff was so kind to us. And, um, you know, when whatever I asked for, if they could do it, if it wasn't against the law, <laughs> then we could do it. <laughs> I say not against the law because they shared the parking lot with LAPD. So. Right, right. <laughs> So whatever you could ask that wouldn't draw the attention of the right. authorities. Exactly. So, yeah, it worked out. It, it worked out. Um, but because 2020, our big and final year, supposedly, um, was during a pandemic, I was like, I can't end like this. 
we have to keep going. So, you know, I'm already scheming for twenty year twenty five how to keep you going beyond that, uh, right? Well, keep working on it. So twenty twenty five is. <laughs> you hear that, alumni? It's time to you know get a letter writing campaign. Contact Tracy, text or email or knock on her door. And just tell her she has to keep going until she's 106. You can set up a move on campaign. A move. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. No. no, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I'll never say never. But right now, it's just, you know, the, the festival space is crowded. Um, it's become more crowded uh, over the years. And they all, everyone seems to use the Lemley NoHo 7. Um, sometimes we're sharing that space with two or three other festivals. I've gotten, you know, I've used my connections and have been able to request that, come on, book us first. <laughs> Let us have the space free of other festivals for a little bit. So I, I kind of take advantage of my connections that way. Because um, <clears throat> there are a couple film festivals that I just frankly don't want to share space with. Right. There's some that I don't mind sharing space with, but some I don't want to share space with and um, and I, I have my reasons but <laughs> yeah so well just to, to close it out there's something I want to touch on that I, I don't think we've we've quite discussed because I, I know that the gold. Like, what <laughs> the Valley Film Fest gold <laughs> the, the gold right uh, but no um, just the aspect of you know, because I know one of the hardest things for you is is rejecting filmmakers uh, that haven't gotten in. That's the that's day the that worst you... part. <laughs> and what, like, because you you've probably gotten a bunch of different reactions over the years. Is there something that you wish people submitting to festivals? And, and, and obviously, not every festival is the same you know the, mm -hmm. what you do is not the same i mean we we get that already like as we communicate with filmmakers and they're like oh my gosh you communicate everything so clearly you tell us what to expect from us and and what to expect from you and mm -hmm. and so we're i feel like we're heads and shoulders above so many other festivals out there already but just in terms of programming and, and accepting or rejecting submissions and that entire process, what do you wish filmmakers knew about what you do or what we as a festival do? Yeah, I would say uh, it is not personal and it really does not reflect on the quality of your film. So when we program, we are looking at, we're looking at a number of things. It's not just one, it's not just, oh my God, this film's amazing, we have to screen it. It is, I'm always thinking, first and foremost, how can we promote this and bring in an audience without the help of the filmmaker? I don't want to rely on the filmmaker like other festivals Even do. Even though we do tell them that it is a partnership in right. filling those yeah. seats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to rely on them 100%. I want to be, I want to be the partner to, you know, I want us to give as much as we're taking. And um, so when I'm looking, when James and Georgia and everyone else, when we're looking at these features, so we program the features first. <laughs> that's, our, that's our foundation. And uh, we're, we're looking to see if we feel we can promote it, if we have the resources to market it, if we can bring in our own audience. 
Um, if we can't bring in our own audience, can we market it to an audience that we don't know how to reach yet, but can do the work? So we're always looking, uh, we're looking at that first. Obviously, the sound and picture quality too, and the storytelling um, all goes hand in hand with that part. And so it's not personal. Um, it definitely isn't. And then we're looking at the discovery aspect of it. Has this film been seen at 500 festivals? Are we the third festival? Is this a story that needs to be... Obviously, they're all stories that need to be shared and told. Right. But and there may, there may be, depending on the story, there right. may be like, well, it's been everywhere, but we really got to have it. Yeah. And it's short enough to program in wherever. Yeah. Um, and also, if you're a short and you're over 15 minutes, it's harder to program you, too. True. But we have programmed shorts that are 40 minutes, Peter Paul Basler. Uh, <laughs> who is the king of 40-minute films. Uh, he really does them so well, so I, I can't complain about his work there. But yeah, it, it's really like, is this a story that needs to be shared? Can we share it with our, using our own resources first? Um, and all sorts, of, all sorts of things. So that's what we look at first, and then the, uh, the discovery aspect. Um, you know, if it's... You know, once Saudi Arabia let women make films, or Iran, when they finally let women make films, I wanted to showcase those films. Like these women hadn't they they hadn't been able to make films for a year, for twenty years or something. So it was like it was special, and I wanted to be able to. I got chills. Sorry, <laughs> like, <laughs> I get chills talking about this. I'm so passionate about it, um, and so I wanted to be able to give them a platform. Uh, even though I knew they wouldn't be able to travel here, I wanted to give them a platform to to showcase. But, I mean, we did. Some of them did come out. That was amazing. So, right. yeah. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Okay. And we got an expo that we've got just a couple hours left to do. So, uh, we got some more stuff to give away to, to awesome. everyone. Awesome. Yeah, we have Lays and pens and Kleenex. Or and we just have such a fun time here. It but is. more so, we have such a fun time at the festival. We do. It's Come such and a join great us. time. Yes, everyone, uh, you can find us at valleyfilmfest.com or, uh, most importantly for them, Film Freeway slash Valley Film Fest. Yes. And then, of course, on all social media, we're at Valley Film Fest. Exactly. Thank you, Aaron. So uh, that's about our time. Okay. Thank you for. <laughs> spearheading this entire festival Aww, and, and having us have a you know an opportunity to contribute to the culture oh i love it well thank you for being part of it <laughs>